Our scripture this morning is uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord for us today. People seem more stressed out than ever. <laughs> it, it almost just seems like there is this simmering like aggression and stress that's just beneath the surface. Like we've been so wearied and worried by life that we're on this razor-thin edge of sanity and civility. <laughs> um, I think it's why we see the public meltdown videos. It's why we have people who go viral for their worst moment. There was an ABC News headline, and the headline was, Man Arrested for Assaulting Cookie Monster. <laughs> uh, I mean, you've got to read that article, right? When you see that headline, you've got to read So uh, if you would permit me, I would love to read for you some of this uh, news story from ABC News uh, that took place at this. Uh, apparently, there's a Sesame Street uh, theme park. Uh, so let me read just a little bit for you from this headline. A man's plan to have his young daughter meet the cookie monster crumbled <laughs> when he was arrested for allegedly assaulting the furry blue Sesame Street character. Police say Lee P. McFadder, upset that the cookie monster would not pose for a picture at the Sesame Street theme park, shoved and kicked the employee inside the costume. Police said 21-year-old Jenny McNeilis suffered bruised ribs and a cervical sprain when McFadder shoved her to the ground, then kicked her in the head and back. Uh, and there's more, and, and it's hilarious, um, if you want to read the article for yourself. Man arrested for assaulting Cookie Monster. So I don't think that any of you would disagree when I say, we need peace. <laughs> we need peace in our hearts, and we certainly need peace in our world. You know, because it's, it's when we're settled on the inside, when we're anchored, when we're rooted, that life's setbacks, uh, maybe that's your child not getting the photo op with Cookie Monster, but whatever life's setback is, they don't turn into these sort of embarrassing headlines. I think from road rage to cookie conflicts, our culture is filled with stress and strife. And maybe today you are longing for some rest for your soul. You're longing for some peace. You're longing for a settled heart. What good news we have in the scriptures. Phil read this for us a moment ago. What good news. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What good news. And that is just what we're going to talk about today. So I'm thrilled that you're with us for our worship service. Thank you for joining us, whether in person or online. My name is John. I serve as lead pastor here at MCA. And I'm praying that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. We've been doing a study in the book of Philippians. In fact, 
Uh, this is the second to last sermon in this series. We have two sermons that we'll do in chapter 4. Uh, this morning we'll go through verses 1 through 9. Next week we will finish the book. Uh, and then we're ready for Advent. We're into the Christmas season. Uh, but in this study, we're discovering the joy, the contagious joy of following and serving Christ. But the truth is, the cold, hard truth is, so often our joy vanishes in the face of stress and worry and anxiety. It was in the opening week of this series, uh, that I think would have been eight weeks ago, but <laughs> uh, so almost two months ago, I'll remind you, in week one of this series, I shared the biggest joy stealer is worry. The biggest joy stealer is worry. The uncertainties of life, those unforeseen challenges that are just around the corner that you didn't anticipate, the hardships the struggles, those things that choke out our joy. In fact, I found this really fascinating. I just learned this this week. But our English word worry, and you can look this up for yourself. Not right now. This is not the best time to Google this. Um, but you can look this up for yourself. It comes from an old English word. And the definition of the word is to strangle. The word we use for worry comes from an old English word, which is to strangle. Like, it chokes the life out of you. Like, you, you feel like you cannot breathe. You cannot catch your breath when you're in this state of worry. I also recently was reading about anxiety in our culture and found these staggering statistics about the, the, the next generation, Gen Z, the Zoomers, and how they are the most anxious group in history. Well, I should say, since we've been kind of uh, tracking it or measuring it, which is uh, starting in 1980 in the DSM-3, um, but the, the problem, of course, is that fear and anxiety and worry and stress are really incompatible with a heart and mind that is guarded, as we read here in verse 7 of Philippians 4. It's incompatible with the heart and mind guarded by Christ, by the peace of God. It's kind of like when we, when we uh, consider that, that, that the peace of God is guarding your heart and mind, well, from what is it protecting you? From what is it, is it guarding you? Um, I love this quote from Max Lucado. I brought this for us this morning, the way he puts it. He says, anxiety and gratitude cannot share the same heart. And so we have this great encouragement this morning. And this is another one of those sermons that I'm preaching to myself more than I'm preaching to you. Um, this has been a very, very stressful week, a very, very stressful weekend. Um, I guess I could, just, I could share with you. The good news is I got my first buck. The bad news is I was not hunting. <laughs> um, yeah, hit a, hit, a, hit a buck, a big buck with our van and uh, caused a lot of damage to the vehicle. Um, of course, this week, Renee Lemon, our custodian, had a fall and broke her arm. Um, we had this, this blow-up uh, just last evening with scam emails going out to our church family. Um, number one question to ask if you get a suspicious email, um, are the Buckeyes playing football right now? And if they are, then John is not sending us emails or reaching out to us. <laughs> That's the number. Also, the, the broken English and the asking for money, but... Uh, it's just, it's, it's been a stressful time. So I'll just say, I think I'm preaching to myself more than anyone else in the room this morning. 
What good news we have that the peace of God guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We must refuse to allow worry to steal our joy. When, when times get tough, we can allow that to create a rift in our relationship with God. Or we can choose to set our minds on him and be guarded and protected by him to allow the peace of God to rule in our hearts. I think for a lot of us, one of the common worries is what other people think. We're concerned about that. Not only in our day-to-day, not only in our schools and in our workplaces, but even here in church. I mean, we prayed this morning for freedom in this place today. As we worship, as we fellowship, as you hear the teaching of the word of God. I've had people say, well, I sometimes want to say amen, but I know we don't do that here. Say amen if you want to say amen. (laughs) You're starting it early there, Renee. Too often we, we worry about, I think, what other people think. Like the father I heard about at the, the wedding reception, and he was admonishing his daughter. She was a girl of, I don't know, 14, 15 years old. He said, that's the fourth time you've gone back up there for, you know, the cookies and the cake and the ice cream. He's like, aren't you embarrassed by what people are going to think about you? And she said, why should I be embarrassed? I keep telling him it's for you. Oh, we need peace. We long for peace. In fact, if we would go all the way back to the, be- the beginning of the book of Philippians, and we're not studying in chapter 1, we're in chapter 4, but the opening in the book of Philippians uh, is, a, is a blessing of peace. Philippians 1 and verse 2, Paul and Timothy bless the church at Philippi, saying, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, maybe you've never noticed this before, but each and every one of Paul's 13 letters begins with a blessing of peace. Each and every one, 13 letters, he blesses the audience, the readers, us, with peace. So maybe this isn't a modern problem. (laughs) Maybe this isn't just cookie uh, monster uh, episodes, Uh, but it certainly is a harmful one. You know, we use this term, don't we? I'm worried sick. Hmm. Worried sick. Why? Because it destroys us. In fact, the wisdom of Scripture, Psalm 37, 8, says this. Do not fret, it does nothing but harm. Do not fret, it does nothing but harm. So how do we keep calm in a world of chaos? How do we win the war on worry? I saw that Louis Giglio has a a book uh, with that title. I haven't read that yet. How do we survive this? We're entering the holiday season uh, with our sanity intact. (laughs) And, And should I say our dignity intact as well. Remember, uh, you could just hire a professional worrier. Uh, I think that might have been opening week of this series as well that I told this joke. You could hire a professional worrier. If you're not sure how you're going to pay the $3,000 a week bill, well, that's his problem. (laughs) So let's turn in our Bibles, Philippians chapter 4. And we will, we've really been taking our time with this series, uh, and it's been rich, and it's been wonderful. Um, We'll work through verses 1 through 9 this morning. Uh, so turn in your Bibles, let's, let's work together, uh, starting in verse 1. So Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, okay, well, so we'll need to come back to that in just a moment, because we can't plow through. Whenever there's a therefore, you have to ask, what's it there for? But therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And honestly, this verse sort of connects more with the preceding uh, verses and passage, kind of like last week's message. 
so as we see there in verse 1, we are to stand firm in this way. So in what way? Well, let me just remind us of a week ago. Stand firm in the Lord in this way as citizens of heaven. With your mind fixed on things above, not on earthly things. With eternity in mind. Not all hot and bothered by the things on earth. When Cookie Monster won't take a photo with your three-year-old daughter. Not engaged in petty arguments. Not anxious and fearful, but strong and courageous. Stand firm in this way as a citizen of heaven. Standing firm until the end... Remember this from last week. It's, it's when Jesus comes back. We, we live life in light of his sure and soon return. So stand firm until the end when Jesus comes back and you get to be with him forever in paradise for eternity. Stand firm as a citizen of heaven. I think Paul has peace knowing that he has made the most of his time on earth. Now, he's not, God's not done with him yet, but his time will come. And, and during the days that the Lord gave him on earth, he poured himself out. Why? So that others would hear the good news of Jesus. So look again at verse 1, Philippians chapter 4. Did you notice, what does he call the church at Philippi? His joy and crown. He was the one who brought the gospel to them. Like, those people who God brings into his kingdom through your willingness to share, those people that God brings into his kingdom through your willingness to minister, that they are part of your reward. They are part of your crown, part of your riches in heaven. In fact, Daniel chapter 12 says that those who win souls are wise and they will shine like stars in the night sky. In fact, I want to read those verses for you. Daniel chapter 12, 1 through 3. Talking about the return of Jesus and our eternity that awaits. He says, at that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. This, of course, is one of the angels. It says there will be a time of distress such as not has happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at that time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. This is the good news of the gospel. We don't believe that at the end of the age when Jesus comes back, every single person and every single soul will be with him in heaven for eternity. That's universalism. The good news of Christ and the, uh, the salvation that awaits us includes the fact that apart from Christ, we are bound for and destined for an eternity separated from him in the flames of hell. And so th- this, these verses make that very clear. Others will raise to everlasting li- some to everlasting life, some to everlasting contempt. And then verse 3, those who are wise, in fact, some translations would even say they're those who impart wisdom will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So Paul, in thinking about these Christian believers at Philippi to whom he writes, he thinks fondly of them. He thinks of eternity that awaits and they will be with him. Why? Because of God and his salvation. Paul didn't save them. But God used Paul to play some role in bringing the gospel to these people, and he has personally shared Christ with them. And so Paul enters heaven to the cheers of the people with whom he had shared Christ, as well as the cheers of those whom he had martyred. That's just how the gospel works. It's a beautiful thing. The ones that we are willing to share Christ with, 
are part of our reward. They are his joy and his crown. Okay, on to verse 2. We're in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. We heard that reference in the Daniel passage, didn't we? Wow, I mean, there's a lot here. Um, but basically what, what has happened is Paul calls out two women in the church. This would have been read publicly, by the way. This wasn't like a read this, uh, put, put this letter in your nightstand. It's a, it's a letter, but it's for the public reading and edification of this local church. So this is read out loud to the church family. <laughs> and he calls out two women by name. We don't know what their disagreement was. We just know something wasn't working. And that Paul pleads with them to recognize, you're on the same team. We're, we're working together here. Part, part of his plea is, is we, I know what you've done in the past. You've been a partner in the gospel. And so get them on the same page. Work together again for the cause of the gospel. How silly it is when we bicker and when we argue about disagreements and preferences you know the church world i think is so often guilty of is this a gospel issue is this of eternal significance because that's what we need to be about is this my preference is this the way i like it then that's nothing to argue over of course we have to navigate that each local church has to determine what are our methods of ministry what do we think is going to be the most effective way to share the life-giving power of jesus with the world to make an impact right here in fredericksburg where god has planted us and in this region of course we have to navigate through that but we're not going to argue and we're not going to bicker and what that does when churches enter into that place like these two women it curbs ministry or halts it altogether. It's sideways motion rather than forward advancement of the gospel cause. So do you know what steals your joy? It's when you have conflict with other people. Right? We've all experienced that. When you have broken relationships, when, when you choose, especially in the world of, of uh, ministry and wanting to do what God has for you, it steals your joy when you forfeit that sort of fruitfulness because you wanted it your way. Lord, help us. So Paul knows here they need to be guarded by the peace of God. He knows it because they don't have peace in their relationship with one another. There is a policy that has been instituted for the world-famous Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. If you're not familiar with this, this church, this ministry, this group, they've won four Grammys. They've won two Dove Awards. And here's their policy. The first time we hear you talk about another choir member in a negative way, there will be no warning. You will be asked to leave the choir immediately. I have so much respect for that. I don't care how good a singer you are. I don't care if you were featured on the Grammy-winning album. If you start cutting down someone else, there's no warning, there's no second chance, bye-bye. Why? Because our focus is on the gospel and advancing the kingdom. 
So does it seem harsh that Paul calls out to women by name? Like how many of us have made mistakes and don't get our name put in scripture in this bad light? You know, their, their, their claim to fame going down in history. Like this is all we know about these women. Of all the great characters in the Bible, you know, in our Sunday school classes, Becky, are we teaching Euodia? And what do we learn from her? No, you never have a Sunday school lesson on these two women. All we know is they couldn't get along. So Paul knows that it's time to set aside differences and our preferences. Get on the same page. Why? Because it's too important and too urgent that we advance the kingdom doing the ministry that God has given us to do. Okay, let's keep reading. We're in Philippians chapter 4. We are ready for verse 4. Oh, man, I sang this all the time when I was a kid. Any of you guys know that the rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice... Rejoicing, yep, all, all the time. I mean, this is, you can't, re- I cannot read Philippians 4 4 without having that song run through my head. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul helps the church here and helps us to understand. How do we respond to situations that are stressful and challenging? We pray. (laughs) I mean, Jesus, of course, has teaching on this as well. If you stay for our Sunday school hour, uh, you'll get into this uh, in your class. Um, But Matthew chapter 6, he he makes it clear. We're not to worry. Do not worry. But we're supposed to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. But look again. We're in Philippians chapter 4. Look again at these few verses and see the extremism. Rejoice in the Lord when? That's extreme, isn't it? Verse 6, do not be anxious about what? Man, you guys are, this is extreme. But in which situations with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God? Every, this is extremism coming from these few verses here. Extremism. Rejoice in the Lord always, in every situation. Be anxious, do not be anxious about anything. We are to come before God with all of it. Rather than letting worry and anxiety overwhelm us, creep into our hearts and minds, we entrust our lives to God through prayer. And also Thanksgiving. And this wasn't an intentional plan for like, we'll do this on the week of Thanksgiving. This is just how God works. But we'll have time this week, won't we? To eat turkey, to gather with family and friends, to celebrate and give thanks with Thanksgiving. And I know that the holiday season, it's, I mean, it's here, like this week. I was in roadies yesterday. <laughs> Everyone was in there buying their turkeys and their stuffing and there was crazy. So I know this can be a season that's stressful, that's challenging, that's difficult. Always rejoicing in everything, giving thanks. 
In the closing verses of this passage, then, we have really one of the great, greatest encouragements to, to think rightly. And, of course, this is a theme throughout the book of Philippians. We see this regularly, the, a point of emphasis from Paul, that he, he often refers to our minds, our thoughts, our attitudes, this sort of, like, internal thought life. So, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I would say if we want to rejoice always, the only way to do that is by keeping our thoughts on Christ. The only way to always be rejoicing is to always be meditating on, thinking about, reflecting on, eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. When those ungodly ideas, when those worries and fears begin to creep in, none of us are immune from those, by the way. I'm not suggesting you won't, uh, you won't be impacted by those. What I'm suggesting here is, this is, this is not my idea, by the way. This is what scripture says. When those things begin to creep in, we bring them to the Lord. We, we simply take those, those thoughts and those feelings of worry and anxiety and stress and fear. We bring them to the Lord. We say, God help me. Lord, guard me, guard my heart, guard my mind. I long for peace. I, I, I want to fix my eyes on things that are pure and true and lovely and noble and right and admirable, things that are excellent, things that are praiseworthy. I've got a little bit of time left, and what I want to do with that time is share four ways that we can win the war on worry. How do we Keep calm in a world of chaos. These are actually from Max Lucado. I did not develop these, but I want to share them. These are, these are so good. They, they form an acronym, by the way. Four ways to keep calm in a world full of chaos. And the first is to celebrate God's goodness. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. We celebrate with thankful hearts what God has done. So listen, it's not rejoice when you get promoted. It's not rejoice when you have a baby. It's not rejoice when you win the game and when you get named MVP. It's rejoice always. You guys read it for yourselves. You guys vocalized it. I heard you. Rejoice in the Lord when always. When you get fired, rejoice in the Lord. When you grapple with infertility, rejoice in the Lord. When you lose, When you fail, when you mess up and make mistakes, even when you suffer, we praise God for what he's done. The old hymn, count your blessings, count your many blessings, name them one by one. We lift up our eyes, according to Psalm 121, lift up our eyes to the maker of heaven and earth. So we've got to get our eyes off of the problems and the pain. The more you stare at an issue, the bigger it seems to get. Have you noticed that? It's like one of the lines in Chronicles of Narnia that I love so much, where the little girl is talking about Aslan and says, the more she spends time with him and looks at him, the larger he seems to get. Don't meditate on the mess, but instead celebrate God's goodness. Cultivate a grateful heart, and not just in November. (laughs) I, I, I love the season of giving thanks. I think it's wonderful. But it can't just be in November that people hear what you're grateful for. Let it be year-round. So the first is 
celebrating God's goodness. That's C. The second is to ask God for help. We are to let our requests be known to God. Don't bear the weight on your own. We've got to call on the Lord. We've got to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. The path to peace is always paved with prayer. So we celebrate God's goodness. We ask God for help. And then we leave our concerns with God. In fact, a close reading of this passage in verse 6, the Greek word that's used for requests means literally an itemized list of needs. You think of when you're headed to the grocery store and you make that list. These are the things we need. So it's amazing that we have this word in the Greek when it's talking about presenting our requests to God. It is literally an itemized list of your needs presented to the Lord. So we can be specific when we pray. I think of uh, when I drop my car off at the mechanic and I entrust it to their expertise and care. Now, some of you are better uh, with vehicles than, than I am. Yeah, and, and Ryan is the one that I entrusted my vehicle to. <laughs> but when, when, I, when I entrust my vehicle to Ryan and to, to his colleagues there, uh, I don't stand around and look over his shoulder. Like, don't you think you should? <laughs> why? Because I'm leaving it with him. So why do we do that with God? We need to leave our requests and our concerns with God. Leave it in his hands. Don't keep peeking over the shoulder and giving suggestions. But really, Lord, it should be like that. But really, are you sure, Lord? Are you sure that's where I should go? We walk in obedience, grateful for what God has done. Allow God to work it out. Of course, we know from the scriptures, Isaiah 26, 3, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. Do we trust God? then we will leave those things with him. Celebrate God's goodness. Ask the Lord for his help. Leave it in God's hands. And then we need an M on there. And it's looking again at verse 8 to say we should meditate on God's good things. Situations in life are tough. You will get knocked down. You will have weeks that are stressful and challenging. And there's nothing you can do to avoid it. None of us are immune from life happening. What you can control is how you respond. Like, are you going to beat up Cookie Monster? (laughs) Or are you going to take a deep breath and maybe circle back to Cookie Monster a little bit later? I have a feeling maybe Cookie Monster would have been free if they had just gone back a little bit later. I don't know. Will we meditate on the beauty of the Lord? Will we put into our minds the things that are admirable and pure and noble? So last Saturday uh, in the Ohio State game, something amazing happened. It was Cameron Babb scoring his first career touchdown. He's like a fourth or fifth year player. He's already graduated, and he has a story that's amazing. Uh, Audrey, thank you for sharing that with me, by the way. And if, if, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, I'll maybe link to it on our social this week. It's about a five-minute video. I brought a clip of it, but it's a story about the peace of God in this young man's life. So check this out.
that the first thing he was going to do was pray whenever he got his first touchdown. He had told them that. And you could see there, they even kind of blocked out, like, get, like they guarded him, like give him his moment here. Um, it's a powerful story. Again, it's worth five minutes of your time to see the whole, the whole video. Uh, a Martin Luther quote, he once said, you cannot stop the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from building a nest in your hair. <laughs> so Cam Babb says, there's nothing he could do about these knee injuries he's suffered. Those are just the, the setbacks of life. What he can control is how he responded in the face of those challenges. Will we choose to turn our thoughts to the things that are edifying, to things that are gospel-centered, to allow God's peace to guard our hearts and minds, things that honor the Lord? You see, as a child of God, when you turn to him, when you invite him into your brokenness, into your hurt, into your circumstances, his peace will guard you. What good news. What, what a great hope we have. And so as we rejoice in the Lord and do that always, we pray in everything with thanksgiving. And God's peace protects us. Uh, one more verse we need to, to cover uh, before we conclude this morning. Um, and Paul has an encouragement here in verse 9 for the believers there to imitate him. Uh, Philippians 4, 9. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Uh, we did hear the same thing last week where Paul encouraged us to imitate him. Um, and I, I spoke about that, that we are to look around to see godly examples and put into practice the teachings that they've passed on to us. In fact, I challenged you last week to take a few minutes and write a note of thankfulness to someone who has been a spiritual influence. If you didn't do that, if you didn't do your homework, uh, let me just extend it to this week. I mean, it's Thanksgiving week. You're going to have a little bit of downtime. You're going to have a little bit of uh, time for rest and celebration. So if you didn't do last week's homework assignment, I'm just going to extend it by a week. Uh, take a few minutes. Write out a note. Someone who's been a spiritual influence in your life, who has impacted you. Who, who is stuck with you through the hard times, that, that relative, that grandma who always made sure you got to church, that person who shared Christ with you, that person who was unrelenting and praying for you and supporting you even in your worst times, send a note this week just saying thank you, honoring them and honoring the Lord in the process. But if we imitate those godly influences, um, what's going to happen? Well, look there at the end of verse 9. The peace of God will be with you. We have that great blessing. You know, I feel like anyone can say they're peaceful or like everything's in order when you're sitting in white sand beaches, <laughs> you know, and some of you are looking forward to soon being in white sand beaches. That's fine. That's okay. But anyone can say they're at peace when they've got a little drink with an umbrella. <laughs> it, it's when your kid is sick, when your job is stressful, when you've got a friend who's been gossiping about you and you know you need to deal with that situation, when you have a broken relationship, oh, we need the peace of God to guard our hearts and minds. And so my prayer is that you would know the peace of God, that you would live a life free of worry and stress and anxiety. Why? Because of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. When he is Lord of your life, he will guard you. And we read about in verse 7, this peace that God offers us, it transcends all understanding. 
It doesn't make sense humanly. How could you possibly be calm during this situation? How could you possibly walk with confidence through this storm? Because of the Prince of Peace, Jesus, and he's Lord and Savior of my life. Cam Bab is a great example of that. Because Jesus is Lord of my life, and I've given him control. In fact, Ephesians 2.14 says this clearly, for he himself is our peace. So I feel like the greatest encouragement I can give us as we sort of launch into this holiday season through the week of Thanksgiving and then into Advent is to walk humbly and also walk securely with God in control of your life. That you would give your anxiety, give your fear, give your stress, give your worry right back to God and leave it with him. That you would allow Christ right in the middle of your mess. That you would allow him and ask him to bring calm into your chaos. That you would give him your wounded heart and your relationships that have caused so much pain. The places where you're struggling, that you would entrust yourself to him and that you would rejoice. The Lord is near. So don't be anxious about anything. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look to you. We confess that so often we're distracted by the things around us, that so often we're focused on the things of earth. And yet, Lord, today we choose again to turn to you in our fear and worry and stress and anxiety to say, Jesus, Prince of Peace, help. And help me to align my thinking and my thoughts and my eyes and my heart to be set on things that are true and right and lovely and pure. Those things that are admirable. Lord, we know that you are all of those things. And so we fix our eyes on you with grateful hearts. Lord, would you bless us this week as we celebrate the Thanksgiving holiday, as we gather with family and friends and take time off of work, that in it, Lord, we would look to you, that we would find peace because of you, Jesus, the Prince of Peace. We thank you, Lord. We bless you. Church family, our prayer team will be available this morning in the front after the service. If you'd like to come and bear your burdens, we'd be honored to pray with you. And so, Lord, we seal all of these things by your Holy Spirit that you would continue to lead us into greater knowledge of who you are and the mysteries of the gospel that we might shine brightly like stars in the night sky. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.